0: Welcome to Wake Up. I'm Damon. He's Larry. You are a sports fan craving a better show, and that's exactly what we tend to bring to you. It's what we want to bring to you, and beginning next Monday, we'll be bringing it to you three days a week, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We'll be going around 8.30. Larry, we're going to have to start setting your alarm just like five minutes earlier, and that way everything goes smoother and no one's calling you lazy. How are you, pal?
1: Doing great. Doing great. Happy Monday, uh, February the 26th to everybody. Hope everybody's uh, enjoying a Monday after a
0: phenomenal weather weekend in the Bay Area, man. It was just absolutely glorious. Wasn't that great? I was over at the A's Fan Fest, put on by fans. I saw that. I saw that. No support at all of the team. It was a beautiful day. Just a gorgeous day over in Oakland. Thousands of happy people, angry at their ownership, but very, very happy to be together. And it was a really nice day for the community. So I was in a good mood. I'm glad you were in a good weather, good mood, Larry. And we want to make sure Niners fans are going to be in a good mood. And for that, we need answers. And the answer is to this question, who is the next defensive coordinator? The search continues or the announcement continues to be delayed, I guess, here, Larry. We've been all over the candidates. I think we've talked about them probably more than any other show out there, who it might be. We both have that Bill Belichick pipe dream. We'll talk more about whether or not that is a pipe dream or not, um, uh, or, or if this is coming from inside the house, if you will, uh, from, from the wish list to the real list to the maybe not list. How are you feeling this is is going to shake up? We both incorrectly predicted that we would have this answer by end of business on Friday to the point where on Friday, I thought, all right, if we're going to hear about it today, it's going to be like an unpopular choice. It's going to be Brandon Staley and it's going to be a Friday news dump. Didn't happen.
1: It didn't happen. And I got to think that if they were going to hire from within, it would have already happened. Let me first shout out pig and a pickle, the title sponsor of the Krug show, as well as underdog fantasy um, Marin Autoglass And our two new sponsors Sharp Corner Sports Cards and Collectibles And ValleyHillRoofing.net Just for the month of February We thank them for joining us And uh, we'll have more on all of our sponsors And of course the links are in the description And Damon, why don't you
0: I'm just Shout out your now. incredible sponsors as well. Ike, get yourself a sandwich at Ike's You'd be happy you got a sandwich at Ike's They're freaking delicious They're available all over the West Coast Get the Damon Bruce you're gonna want a Damon Bruce, so there you go. Get <laughs> there yourself, you go. Get yourself to Ikes, and that's all I got right now. And uh, we will be having this show sponsored, of course. Uh, if you're interested, reach out to me or Larry. The amount of views will be in the millions, millions. So millions. incredible, incredible exposure. Um, and and we certainly love our sponsors who continue to support us. You without sending a single dollar our way can support us by just hitting like subscribing to either channel whether you're watching on Larry's channel please subscribe to Damon Bruce if you're watching over here on the plus make sure you're subscribing to the Krug show and you won't miss a thing um, as you were saying about yeah, well the I just coordinator
1: yeah yeah I just don't think it's going to be an internal hire I mean if you really had an internal guy you wanted to hire and it was the priority you would have hired him by now um and uh I do believe they're you know, you don't run off a guy like Steve Wilkes while he's under contract after he had a top 10 defense in yards, top five in points allowed per game, and was, you know, pretty damn good in the Super Bowl for the most part. Um, you don't run that guy off to give it to somebody who has no credentials, just trying it for the first time or is in-house and you could have named him last year the DC to me the only thing that makes sense here is the big name DC now Gus Bradley, uh, Jeff Olbrick um, Chris Kiffin those names have been thrown out. Kiffin's not a big name.
0: I was about to I, that was I was about to ask you do you think Chris Kiffin is a big name? I actually if he's the higher Larry I like it. I, he's he's not a big name, though. He could be, but he's not on that real wish list that involves Vrabel, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, you know, Ron Rivera, if you even want to put his name on the list. I don't think that that's really going to be an option, though. Um,
1: it, he is a big name from the standpoint, Damon, that he's connected to a big name. And Chris Kiffin is very connected to Aziz Alshair. And if the 49ers want to land Alshair, maybe Kiffin... Is their ticket to bringing him back? But you're right. In and of itself, Chris Kiffin is not a big name, but Bill Belichick is. Gus Bradley is. Um, I don't know if Jeff Olbrick is, but he and I don't know that Olbrick would. They'd have to offer him the assistant head coaching job because he's the DC in New York with the Jets right now. You can't do a lateral move type situation in this in this deal. So um, yeah. So <clears throat> is it Vrabel? Is it Belichick? Is it Carroll? Is it Gus Bradley? Is it Chris Kiffin? Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure who it is, but I do think it. When we hear the name, it's going to be a bigger name and not a smaller name. That would be my guess. Lynch- yeah,
0: I, I'm leaning in that direction too. You know, any movie, Larry, any movie that involves a jury decision, there's always a scene in every movie that involves a jury where the lawyers are talking to their client and they go over, well, the amount of time it takes to deliberate is either working for us or against us, right? You know, the amount of time this jury is out is a good thing or it's a bad thing, which is it? Do you attach any good thing or bad thing to this taking longer than I think both of us expected it would take? Do you drift into the, it means they're already, you know, knocking on a second door, on choice B or C, or do you think it's just a high-level negotiation and these things take time? Um, as you said, there's no way they let go of Steve Wilkes without a plan. It feels like it wouldn't take very long to execute that plan, at least not this long. So, is any of this sitting unwell with you at all? No, I mean i I've been saying I've been talking Belichick
1: for over a month. And I, I really believe that they offered him the job. And Peter King went on the radio last week, and we'll talk more about Peter today because Peter announced his retirement today. But um, <clears throat> he went on the radio locally last week and said, I wouldn't be shocked if Kyle Shanahan offered the job to Bill Belichick. And then if you're going to offer a job, you know, like this, that's beneath Bill Belichick to Bill Belichick, um, but when it's also, beneath him and also the far and away the best football job he's going to get offered to him, uh, this off season, I think that you got to give him some time to think it over. And that's why I I really believe Mike Silver, uh, Mike Silver's reported that word around the league is that they've just talked internally. Yeah. Because I don't think when you're, if you're going to offer the job, like I believe it's been offered to Bill Belichick, um, I don't think you offer it to anybody but him. And there is no other candidate. And if you want to, you know, you don't bum rush him. You give him plenty of time. And also, this is probably a tricky financial negotiation because if I'm right and it's Belichick, he's going to get record-setting defensive coordinator money. So, I'm, you know, it's, it is wild. It would absolutely be the biggest story in the NFL all week. Outshining the combine itself. Um, but I think the 49ers, I think it works, Damon. Why? Because of Bill's relationship with Eddie, Eddie's ties to the team, um <clears throat> the fact that Bill, this is the best job Bill could get. I think this is also a major check your ego moment at the door for both Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick, which is why I think it actually works. Uh, because I think they both have to check their ego at the door, you know, and, and at this point, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, Kyle Shanahan would never do that because then if they won the Super Bowl, it would be viewed as Belichick helped get him over the top. And all I would say to that is I think Kyle Shanahan at this point just wants to get over the top and does not care how it looks, who says what. You know, there were an awful lot of people in 1994, 1995, Damon. You were around in the market at that time, um, <clears throat> you know, working at Sports Byline over with me and, and the great Todd Herson. Um, a lot of people said back in, in January and February of 1995, you know what? Nobody's ever going to look at this Niners Super Bowl the same because they had Dion. This will be the one they had to go get Dion to get him over the top. Well, here we are. It's 2024. And nobody says, well, the Niners have four, and they've got that one with Dion. They say the Niners have five. So nobody's going to remember, you know, um, which ones you won with KD and which ones you didn't win with KD. No one's going to remember which ones you won with Dion and without Dion. Nobody's going to re- care which ones you won with Belichick and without. Over time, maybe, maybe Nick Wright and a few talking heads, on in the present, will highlight. Um, you know, that this is somehow disrespectful or, you know, some kind of not a full achievement, but history will remember it as a full achievement. Shanahan's keenly aware of that. And so I, I, I really believe Kyle's at that point now where he doesn't care what it takes to get beyond Reed and Spagnolo. And if it takes him and Bill to get by Reed and Spagnolo, so be it. Um, I said this over a month ago, I'll stay with it now. I think it's the, I think he's the higher and, and, and it's just a matter of, does he want it? Will he take it? Does he view it? Does he want to ride off into the sunset and do nothing? Because those are his choices, ride off into the sunset and do nothing or be a defensive coordinator on one of the great teams in the league and on an iconic team. So I think, I think it's going to get done. I think it's going to be a major story, but, um, We'll see. We'll see. I do understand the, the people who push back in a big, bad way going. It's preposterous. It it does seem
0: preposterous. Well, Larry, he's um, the, so I he, get it. He's the ultimate overqualified hire, right? I mean, he's yeah, the most overqualified totally. defensive coordinator in the history of anyone taking that position. If he does take that position. But in a game of musical chairs, the man has nowhere to sit in terms of being a head coach anywhere in the NFL. There is zero chance he goes back to college. So now the question is, do you want a coach? Because if Bill Belichick was too old this year to get a head coaching job, a year older, a year removed from the league doesn't do him any favors. Are you a fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm? Do you ever watch the show?
1: It's so funny you said that. I did a Curb Your Enthusiasm um, marathon on uh, on what Saturday, Friday night, or I guess it was Saturday night. Okay. Saturday night, I watched all of the very latest season twelve. Okay. of curb your enthusiasm.
0: So, so yes, a couple of seasons ago, the plot was Larry. Was going to open his own coffee shop next to Mocha Joe's. Right. And it's a spite store. My question is, Larry, how much (laughs) does Bill Belichick want to open a spite store against the NFL? Because the old nobody thinks I'm worth hiring as a head coach. All right, fuck you guys. I'm going to go join Kyle Shanahan. He's going to be the best offensive mind in the league. I'm going to be the best defensive mind in the league. You want to say that he can't win it on his own. He doesn't care anymore. You talk about how people were going to remember it. Forget about what everyone's going to remember. Here's what everyone knows. Kyle's lost two Super Bowls. He can't afford to go to a third and lose that one too. To bring to bear the very best team with the very best coaches is the job. You bring the full might of all NFL power to bear with this roster – that head coach, that defensive coordinator. Just think of Bill Belichick being the wartime consigliere that every 49er can walk up to and just get every drop of NFL knowledge from. The man is a walking, talking, living football historian, much less coach. There's no aspect of the league he isn't acutely aware of. And here's my pitch to Bill Belichick. Here's the elevator pitch, Larry. Are you ready? Lean over to Bill and just say, X's and O's, and it never snows. That's all you need to know, Bill. You don't have to deal with the media. You don't have to deal with Tom Curran. You don't have to deal with Boston up your ass. You don't have to deal with anyone asking you stupid questions with your monotone answers just being served to them, and they don't stop no matter how disinterested you seem. All of the things that you can't stand about football vanish instantly and all the things that you love X's and O's and relationships with players are still there. Uh, To me, there's got to be a pile of money that is big enough to put that with all the other things that I just talked about in front of Bill to make him go. Yeah. You know what? I am going to open a spite store in Santa Clara and take it out on the NFL for not hiring me. And
1: broken metronome says Larry saying Kyle has no ego. What the fuck has he been watching the past seven or eight years? I didn't say he had no ego. I said he's going to check his ego at the door and Belichick's got an ego uh, and he's going to check his at the door. That's why it works because both guys have in theory something to lose, right? Both guys are taking, you know, Kyle is admitting that he needs help. And Belichick's admitting that he needs a top tier football job, and he doesn't have one, and that he and but but it works because at his co- at both men's co- men's core is this they claim to be all about football, and if it's all about football, I don't think Shanahan wants to get on the headsets in the middle of the Super Bowl. I don't think he wants to sit there and and ha- and question. Is this the right? You know, when he's sitting there between series, does he sit? Does he want to sit there and go, is this the right coverage call on defense? He wants to be able to hand the keys to the defense, to somebody else, and say, hey, wait a second. You did, you take these keys, you run with it. I don't want to, I want to have total trust. So that's where I think Belichick works really do, And the only thing is money. Fire. It's about money for bill because I mean, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that, but he made 25 million and Kyle's making like 14, five. I don't think the Niners are going to pay their defensive coordinator, 25 million, but I do think they may offer him a two year, $25 million deal uh, with maybe most of it guaranteed in the first year. So he's like, Hey, you know what? Um, how about this? We'll offer you a twenty-five million dollar two-year deal: twenty in year one, five in year two, and you don't owe us anything if uh, you know if you want to ride off into the sunset. There, therefore, he gets close to what he um, you know was going to make as a head coach this year, which is record-setting DC money, and you know you get your guy. Um, And I, and I think, you know, it makes sense for Kyle right now. It makes sense for, for Belichick right now. Um, and it really makes sense when you look at the 49ers roster, because Bill Belichick is a great defensive coach. They need to retool their defensive line and they need to, um, coach up their secondary. And that's really a big thing. I mean, you look at that secondary. They've invested in young players here: Luter, Jair Brown, uh, even Mooney Ward's not very old. Hafanga's young, Womack's young, Ambry's young, Demo's young. I mean, they they've got six or seven young DBs. They probably need to draft a couple more in this draft. The other reason I think this works is the Niners. Maybe you get a guy like Belichick to bring in Kyle Duggar with with them, and or or a, or a Josh Oshie. Uh, Ushi, I should say, both those guys are exactly what the Niners are looking for. That speed rusher opposite Bosa and kind of the leader of their secondary. And I think he, they're both Patriots who played for Bill and he might be able to influence one of them to come with. So I know it's crazy talk. I know it's over the top. Um, but you Here's know what? The- do not I don't think it's all that crazy. And by Here's the way, the- MF has this one. Damon Kawakami just now industry sources last week thought the 49ers would have been ready to announce a new defense coordinator by now, but there's quote, obviously been a bit of a delay and some potential things to sort out. So we, we shall see.
0: All right. You can make that go away. We don't need to yeah. see MF is, uh, is a comment, but thank you very much. I just, I think that the reason why it's not crazy The reason why it's not insane is because Bill Belichick does not have another option. There is no professional head coaching or defensive coordinating position open anywhere else in this league. So the question is simply this, Bill, do you want to keep going? Do you want to keep coaching? Is this sport so intertwined? in your veins, in your blood, that you need it to feel normal. Because you know what would feel abnormal? Bill Belichick on a Sunday sitting on ESPN's NFL Live set pretending to have a conversation that he gives a rip about actually having with anyone up there. That is abnormal. To me, I see Bill Belichick in a defensive coordinator position more normally than I see him just, hey, I'm another media guy. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, he's
1: not going to yuck it up on some panel. He's not going to, hey, Bill, make a great point about defense, but make it in 40 seconds because we've got to get a live shot with Jeff Darlington. No, no, (laughs) he's just not. He's not doing that. I don't see him doing that. Um, You know, he Kyle prides himself on being all football that he's all football and Belichick prides himself on being all football. And so in some ways, this is a challenge to both of them. Are you all football? If you're all football, then what do you care about who gets the credit? You know, you just want to win. You just want to contribute to a winner. So I think there's a relationship there between, I mean, Kyle told me that before he watches Niner film. That he watches the Patriots, and I said, and this is a couple of years ago. I said because of Brady, and he's like, no, because of Belichick. So he watches Patriot defense every week to look for innovative and interesting defensive coordinator things. Okay, Kyle also told me. I I think it was two years ago now. That and I forget the context, but it was like he he volunteered this. Hey, if I had a good defensive coordinator and Bill Belichick was available, I'd be smart to fire my good defensive coordinator and go hire Bill Belichick. And then with Belichick already gone through all the coaching interviews and the cycles co- open and closed, Shanahan gets rid of a of a of a of a t- defensive coordinator with experience late in the process without lots of options available, um, who has a, you know, who is top 10 in total D and top five in points allowed. That's a major risk. You can't, you know, if you run off Steve Wilkes and you give the job to Daniel Bullocks and Daniel Bullocks, who's never been a DC before falls on his face and you waste a season, that's almost a borderline fireable offense. So I, you know, um, and I agree with J.J. Raider here, and that's why I have it on the board. He says if Bill Belichick wanted to spite someone, it would be the Patriots and Kraft. Bill would wait one year to see if Robert Sala gets fired and take the Jets head coaching job and beat the Patriots. Don't think he wouldn't jump to that job, and don't think the 49ers wouldn't allow him to jump to that job in a year. But the one thing, J.J., you got to remember, Bill Belichick has coached every single season in the NFL since 1975. 1975. The
0: guys coached every year in the league. That's my lifetime. Yeah. That is my entire lifetime. I was born in 1975. So that is my kids. Kids that are five.
1: I mean, he, I was five. The last time Bill Belichick did not coach in the NFL. So. To me, the more dramatic thing is to be like, is Bill not going to coach in the NFL this year? That would be incredibly dramatic. I'll tell you
0: what would be even more hurtful to the Patriots is if the Buffalo Bills come up short again and Bill Belichick were to take that job with Josh Allen. Now, all of a sudden, the Patriots are officially worried. Look, yeah, the thing, though, about Belichick – is the man is 71 years old. And, you know, he he doesn't get younger this year by not coaching. And if Bill Belichick was just a little too old, out of style, or whatever, wanted too much power, to the galactic loser Atlanta Falcons saying thanks but no thanks, I, I don't know if his head coaching prospects increase ever again. So this might be it for Bill. I mean, this really might be it. Look, sports are painful. When it's over, it's over. And it is sometimes painfully over. And so, again, does Bill Belichick want to open a Spite store? Uh, Exact same scenario, Spite store certainly applies to Pete Carroll, who to come from Seattle to be the defensive coordinator of the 49ers would be an in-division kerfuffle, to say the least. The fact that he is from Marin, the fact that he has coached for the 49ers in the past, there is an awful lot of connection and tie there. Even though he is older than Bill Belichick, he's still got that young man, joie de vivre about him. And again, Pete, if all you want to do is chew gum and yell at linebackers, this is a job for you. (laughs) It really is. Um, Do you think Pete Carroll would be interested? If, If not Belichick, Would I raise you a Pete Carroll? Or at that point, are you going for much younger blood of Rabel, or take a shot on Kiffin?
1: I I don't think Pete works as well. Um, Why? Not that he doesn't know the defense. He knows the defense that they run maybe better. But he's got a really close relationship with John Schneider. He's got a, I mean, this, you know, I, I don't think for Pete Carroll to jump to the Niners at this point is scorched earth. Right. Um, you know, come on. I mean, that's scorched earth. And and I think that ruins his relationship with John Schneider. I think it 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 turns the one city that he wants to love him forever against him. I don't know. I, I think the I think there's more to lose than there is to gain there for Pete. I also kind of think Pete's kind of really wants to be done. Uh I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm reading that wrong. I would say to me, it's Belichick one, Gus Bradley two.
0: That's what, that's how I would see it. Oh, the Niners... the, hold on, I'm sorry, but Gus Bradley's yeah. the name that kind of is coming out of nowhere, at least from you and I talking about it. What leads you to Gus Bradley?
1: Because he has coached, you know, under Sala or with Sala in this defense. He knows this defense. Uh, he's in Indy. I think you could probably, he's been a head coach. Um, you know, I think he's, a, he's, you know, I, I think he's the kind of guy that would give, like, I think he's more likely to come than Vrabel or Carroll. And I think you could make him the assistant head coach. Well, and again, when it comes to work in
0: the secondary, I mean, he coached the Legion of Boom, so he knows quite a bit about that. By the way, speaking of Legion of Boom, what a disappointing story to hear about Richard Sherman, who catches a DUI, which in the age of Uber is just a billion percent unacceptable um for someone who is so clearly smart how can he be so stupid what a disappointment for Richard Sherman
1: well I mean yeah I mean it's just you know I I I, the one thing I always hated was um people who used our platform to to um you know point out people who step in shit, you know, I, I don't, I, I mean, it's a, it's a problem in our, it's a societal issue. Um, and you know, I agree with everything you said, as far as there's no real excuses. Um, and it's just, you know, but I, you know, I don't like using my platform to be like, you know, this person screwed up. Aren't I better than them? This person screwed up. Aren't I better than them? You know, it's and I, I'm not saying you're doing that, but there's a lot of people that do that kind of radio and do that kind of media where it's like this person stepped in in S and this is their worst moment ever. Let's do a segment on it and really bury him. Here's when the thing, there is his no his other side to it ever
0: his worst moment is another well-documented moment that involved alcohol and mistakes being made this is his what second suspected do again just you're not allowed one of those you're certainly not allowed two of those and in an age of uber dude get your shit together and this yeah. isn't about well, i agree you. this isn't about no, being i know but it's like it's, but just, just i know one, but it's... i guess here's the thing what a disappointment because i really like richard sherman i think that this guy could be uh, you know if he wanted to take that coaching path he could be an incredible teacher of the game um what a what a guy what 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 a disappointment i mean i'm yeah. i'm it's just no, I hear you. yeah i'm not I trying hear you. i'm not trying to bury the guy but it's absolutely pathetic that when everything that you ever needed to not get a dui is a button on your phone and you can't bother pushing a button on your phone i do sort of put you into the Eh, Go fuck yourself lane. I mean, I really do. Like I just, it's inexcusable. I had a friend of mine who was killed by a drunk driver in high school. So this is a sort of a, a, a zero, zero wiggle room issue of, of mine. So I just, I, I, I can't believe he did that. Um, so I hear you, here you go. sort of a tangent there. Didn't even mean to talk about Richard Sherman just popped up because I said Legion of boom, but you were talking about Gus Bradley, probably not going to be Pete Carroll. Everyone is waiting around thinking it might be Bill Belichick. What about Chris Kiffin though? Because I think Chris Kiffin, a guy who was in-house with the Niners left. And I kind of like that, Larry. I kind of like the guy who, yes, I was here. Then I went on to do my own thing, and now I want to come back because I'm ready for this job now. I don't think it's a bad idea either to align the coach with the single best position group on the team either, and that might be these linebackers. So to have Chris Kiffin, who is a linebackers coach, come back from D'Amico's Texas team, uh, the Houston team that was very impressive this year, I like it. I like his age. I like his youth. I've liked the fact that everyone who worked with him with the 49ers seems to have a glowing review and they missed him when he left. Um, I really think that Chris Kiffin is probably the most likely hire of them all.
1: Well, it's interesting. He's, you know, okay. So he played defensive tackle at Colorado state. And of course his dad is Monty Kiffin and, and Monty Kiffin, was the DC of the Buccaneers when John Lynch won the Super Bowl? So there's a there's a trust uh, you know between Kiffin and Lynch that goes way back. The question is this: the only time Chris has been a defensive coordinator was 2017 um, when he was um, at Florida Atlantic. So you know, I mean, that you're, you're running off. An, an established NFL defensive coordinator off of a pretty successful year to hand the job to a 42 year old guy who's never been a defensive coordinator in the NFL before and is currently the linebacker coach for the Texans so I mean I I think I think he's an he's an interesting name it's obviously he's involved in a in a coaching family, Shanahan's involved in a coaching family. He's got every Kubiak he's ever who's ever you know been born to Gary and his wife uh, has has stopped by the Niners staff. So obviously he believes in football families and that kind of thing. And Kiffin would go along that line. But to me, even though I like Kiffin and I think Kiffin would make sense, especially if you're going to pursue Aziz Al why? Because it was Kiffin who found Al Shayer at Florida Atlantic and All brought right. your, him your to the Niners. The
0: only thing that they need to get, Aziz Alshair back on this team is a plane ticket. <laughs> that guy showed up to a playoff game. He, yeah. he, he, he wants to be back on the 49ers. Oh, no, there's it's no fine. question. There's yeah. no
1: question. But I mean, I'm not, so, but but Chris is the guy. I mean, I did an, an interview with Aziz that's up on my YouTube page from last year where I asked him about, you know, Hulk coming to the Niners and he had this relationship with Chris and that was the key. So that if, if, if Aziz is in there, in their you know designs and then their plans, then Chris makes some sense. But it's still a monumental risk to run off Steve Wilkes for Chris Kiffin. I mean, it's not like you're sitting there. Wilkes has greater credentials for the position than Kiffen does. So it's you know I like Chris Kiffin. I think he would be he would be a good fit for what they do. But I think he's I I, I would say. Belichick one Bradley two, kiffin three, and then maybe Ulbrich four that would that's how I'd rank him
0: Brandon Staley,
1: yes or no no, no i
0: don't I, I you know Brandon
1: Staley defense either quit on him, I mean probably quit on him really um i I would say no to Brandon Staley, yeah,
0: anyone who gets sixty by the Raiders feels like a no, right. <laughs> It feels like it's got to be a no. feels
1: like right. there's, there's other issues there.
0: Yeah. Um, so there you go. That is a 35-minute uh, opening salvo on the defensive coordinator situation that the Niners hopefully have ironed out by what? I mean, Wednesday, Thursday? They can't wait for Friday to get this done. It needs to happen because there's a lot of other things that are going to come up quickly on the nfl calendar namely the combine and the draft and you'd obviously like all heads together in the room thinking in the same direction before that stuff happens uh hit like hit subscribe whether you're watching on my channel or on larry's channel make sure you're subscribing to the other channel and that way you don't miss a thing it is great to have you here wake up is becoming a three day a week extravaganza starting next monday We're going Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, weekly wake-ups, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, going forward, starting on Monday of next week which follows Sunday, Larry, which is Plus Mania 3 The Revenge at the Halfway Club on Geneva. I'm going to be there. A whole bunch of my viewers and listeners are going to be there. And, Larry, you're going to be there, too. We're very excited to have you back. I know you made it out for Plus Mania 2. Invite all of your folks, all of your people, all of your crowd into the Halfway Club on Geneva. Let's fill the bar up. My buddies just opened up this great bar, great food, great drinks, And it's going to be a fun day of hanging out when there really isn't anything going else on, on a Sunday.
1: We can sit there and watch the combine together.
0: Ooh, just, just, just sit around and, and try. I'll tell you what's amazing about the combine. You give me about five, 10, 40 times. I can condition myself to hit. I can, I don't even need a stopwatch, Larry. I'll tell you what the difference between a, a four, three, nine and a four, one, like I I get good at actually guessing what that 40 time was. Seriously, I, I mean, myself, I got to stop watching men run around in underpants. What am I doing?
1: Well, and it, it it's so funny because it's like you know, um, it doesn't mean you you know, just because you work out well doesn't mean you can play. The combine to me should be like the haze in the barn. You know, I mean, you're you're already uh, you, you know you've you've already decided who you like and who you don't like. And to me, the combine's real value is more about. Uh, the medicals <clears throat> and the interviews and the which interview. we, Yeah. We don't get a chance that we're not privy to the medicals and we're not privy to the interviews, but I think those are the, the highlights of the combine. And then other than that, it's nice to see these guys against a constant backdrop and see, you know, how they, how they, uh, you know, measure out and everything. It's interesting, but once again, I think the Ravens do the personnel thing as well as anybody, why? Because Ozzie Newsom is, has a philosophy and he's passed it to Eric DaCosta. And that philosophy is don't get caught up in the combine and um, just you know, draft great college football players and then hope
0: they transition to the NFL. And that's what they do. To me, it's about the film, just straight up. If you didn't yeah. put it on the film collegiately, you're certainly not going to do it at the next level. And no matter what you, you may, combine, but it's. You may, but don't, you know, I agree with you. Don't
1: that, that the one for every one guy who sucked in college and then put up an awesome combine, I'd rather lose out on that guy than, you know, start pretending that college football games didn't matter.
0: Yeah. I, I just think that there's, look, there, there is merit to the combine for sure. And measurables are important, but again, are we tracking things because we can or are we tracking things because they're important? And that's, there's, it's almost like we we have too much information. And that cloudies the judgment. Go to the game film. If the guy's making a lot of tackles, you should probably draft him over the guy who might be two-tenths of a second faster in a 40, but doesn't make a lot of tackles. You know, so that's the way I feel about the whole thing. It is the, a player's evaluation is the entire wrapping paper of the Christmas present, right? The combine is just the bow on top. It's the last impression that the player can make on teams that are candidates who are interested in that player, either through impressive physical workouts, a great interview, or just, I don't know. It's, 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 it's amazing the decisions to draft guys at the combine come from like, happenstance conversations more than they even come from the formal interviews. It's just being around the NFL and that level of media attention reveals an awful lot about a player's ability to handle the white hot microscope that comes with being drafted to an NFL team. So, um, I mean,
1: look at it too. Look at it, look at it. the combine Brock Purdy went there and nobody noticed who, but, but, but Zach Wilson Rolled to his left and threw with his right arm a dime down the field and it became, he became the second pick in the draft. So it's, the images are valuable, but just remember, and I'll talk more about it because I've got a point to make later on, on the combine. Um, but, um, but it's, to me, it's like, if you do know that a guy was a great college football player, right? It, to me, it just cements things. So I'm looking for the great college football player who's also great at the combine. So that's what I—that's the intersection that I want. I'm not looking for guys who couldn't play who are great at the combine. But if you were great in college football and then you go to the combine and light it up, that just cements your spot on my board. You know what I mean? That's to me, because that's what the NFL is. The NFL is about next-level athletes. And there's guys who are good in college football that aren't good enough athletes to, to be great in the NFL. If you can find the great college football player who goes to Indy and has a great workout, draft that guy. When you can wed collegiate production with elite athleticism, that's when you draft those guys. That's, that's what you're looking for. That is like Alden Smith was a, was a perfect example. He was great at Missouri, very, very productive, went to the Combine, looked awesome, draft him. Now, obviously he had problems off the field and it derailed his career. Uh, So maybe the interviews at the Combine maybe, you know, maybe should have been looked at closer there. But if you can find a great player who's also a great athlete, man, you're, you're,
0: you're, that's who you want to draft. So, you wanted to bring up three things needed for the 49ers to run this back. And run this back is winning the Super Bowl next year. I mean, right. that, that's that's where the 49ers are now. There's no more NFC t- your season starts in the NFC title game. No, bullshit. Your season begins with the grand marshal of the Super Bowl parade coming up Market Street. Like that is now the only acceptable outcome for the 49ers in the 2024 NFL season. So how does that happen? How's that happen, Larry? You said you got three things that need to happen for the Niners to have any chance to run this back. What are they?
1: Okay, and and this is not in in any order. These are just three things, no particular order. One, they have to find, whether it be free agency or the draft, that rusher opposite Nick Bosa, okay? Um, I think Armstead's coming back. Hargrave didn't have a great first year, but he'll be back. Bosa will be back. But the Niners have six free agents along their defensive line, and they don't really have an answer for who's the opposite guy opposite Bosa. Um, they're looking for their D four. They're looking for that guy who, who you know, it, it wasn't Chase Young, it wasn't Randy Gregory, um, hasn't it, been Drake Jackson yet, hasn't been Drake Jackson yet. Um, Cleveland Farrell's not that guy. I mean, they need to find a big time pass rusher opposite Nick Bosa. And that's, that's absolutely essential. Got to have that player. Number two, you got to have is they lost DJ Jones in free agency in 2022. And they have never had that, that absolute plugger in the middle. Um, They got to have that player and Ridgeway was okay. And they've had some guy Kinlaw they've tried and they need that run stuffing defensive tackle. Gotta have it. Got absolutely gotta have it. They they weren't good enough against the run. They got moved in short yardage. They've got to find DJ Jones 2.0. And number three, it's the right side of that offensive line. No more fooling around, folks. You, as far as I'm concerned, you got your, you got a five man offensive line. I've watched all the film. I, I'm you know you, Trent Williams is fine at left tackle for another year, maybe two. Aaron Banks is the answer at left guard. Brendel's not the answer at center. Um, Burford and, and Feliciano are not the answer at right guard. And Colton McKivitz is not the answer at right tackle. So you need to redo your offensive line with bigger, stronger, more dominant offensive linemen. Um, I've studied a bunch of them. I've got some great ideas as far as how I would go forward with that. It's the center, the right guard, and the right tackle need to be redone on the 49er offensive line. Now, they need to you know, find an extension for Ayuk. They need to find a linebacker to run with Warner. They need to find maybe one more corner, one more safety, maybe one more speed element uh, receiver or running back, maybe a replacement for Juice. and They have other needs, but the absolute offseason has to include a number one rusher opposite PoSA, a run-stuffing defensive tackle of note, and a new right side of your offensive line.
0: What do you think about Graham Barton, the kid from Duke?
1: I, I, I really like him um, a lot, but I also wouldn't draft him in the first round because I think he's probably going to be a right guard uh, uh, he's going to be a, a guard or a right tackle. I don't think he has left tackle footwork. So um I think I think Graham Barton is a potentially a left tackle down the road, but I think he's a, a mid second round pick and I wouldn't take him in the first round. But I do like him because he's versatile. He's smart. He's tough. He can play all five spots on the line. But I just don't think that you can play him at left tackle and that, that's
0: where you draft in the first round left tackles. What about the what is it the center from Oregon? Who seems to be flying up an awful lot of people's charts, and yeah. you know, you talk about center too. Uh, you know, you, you, here's the thing you're not going to have the pick of the litter with the 32nd pick in the first round, so you're going to need a little fall to you. Somebody doesn't like the value there, so you end up getting it later in the draft, and maybe that's center.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, the guy you're talking about is, um, is, is the guy's name is like Jackson Powers, something, yes, yeah, something like
0: that. It sounds like an action figure.
1: Yeah, and, and he's a good player. I mean, he's – and, and I, I listened to a podcast the other day from uh, Dane Brugler, and Brugler feels like he's – you know, Jackson Powers Johnson is his name. He's the number one center. He's probably going to go in the first round. Um, I, I actually think center is the spot that they're best set at because I think they might be able to get by by moving McKivitts to center. They might be able to get by by starting Nick Sakell, who's Brock Purdy's roommate at center. Um, they, they've got a couple of different options at center, but um, Zach Frazier is a guy that I really like a lot. He played for West Virginia, same school that produced uh, Colton McKivitz, 6'3", 310-pound center. Um, I like him. I just think they need to get a little stronger at the point. I mean, they, they paid Brendel too much money. He's a good guy. He's a smart guy. They paid him based on this Pro Bowl alternate status. And um, I just, I think that um, they paid him too much money. And the bigger nose guards, the DJ readers of the world, just own Jake Brendel. And that's why they don't get any push up the in the A gaps on the in the run game. So the Niners, I think, need a little bit more heft at center. Brendel's more like 285. And I, I, I think, you know, I, I'd be looking for somebody in that 315 range.
0: I'm surprised that in your list of three things that needed to happen, we didn't hear Dre Greenlaw's name. Because to me, Dre Greenlaw coming back is going to be part and parcel of whatever this defense looks like, no matter who ends up coaching it. The good news that uh, came out last week was that Dre Greenlaw's surgery on his ruptured Achilles went very, very well. There's even talk of him being back by week one of next week, which is an incredibly aggressive timeline for him to return by. But again, Aaron Rodgers was feeling frisky about a return this year, and he's 40. The good news for Dre Greenlaw is he's only only 26 years old. He turns 27 in May, so he's very much a young man. And young men recover better and quicker than older men. The Achilles is nothing to just roll your eyes at. That is a big injury. That could be a career alting injury and has been many times, but they've gotten better at it. You know, ask Kevin Durant, ask Clay Thompson. Uh, Their Achilles, obviously, you know, used to be a, that's it for your career injury. Both those guys are still playing. Obviously football is a little different than basketball, but at least six months of recovery and six months from now would be right around when the year starts again for the 49ers. So, a lot of good news on the Dre Greenlaw front. And Larry, that's that's officially good for 49ers business.
1: Yeah, I yeah. mean, this guy is he's the heart and soul of the team. I mean, you know, I want this guy back. Um, I don't care if he's ready in week one, week two, week five, week ten. Um, you know, he's entering the final year of his contract. He's scheduled to earn eight point seven million in salary and bonuses. None of that money is guaranteed. If he's still on the roster, April first, two and a half million of it becomes guaranteed. Um, two point one million is what he would make in the CBA mandated injury protection if the Niners release him, and he was unable to pass a physical. Um, so, if they release him before April first, they save six point eight million in cap space, and the two point one injury protection money would not hit their cap until after the season. So, I mean, a lot of it's about, I mean, this guy, Greenlaw's a stud. I mean, he doesn't turn 27 until May. He's had back-to-back 120 tackle seasons. Um, he's the heart and soul. I mean, I, um, you know, I I, I I, threw out, will the Niners bring him back? Because I was reading the Graziano piece saying that, you know, d- dealing with the cap. But now that the cap is is as high as it is, um, you know, I think it makes all the financial decisions a little bit less urgent, a little bit less pressing, but I expect Greenlaw to be back. But I also think that, you know, maybe signing a guy like Aziz as insurance might be a really smart way to go. If not, Al Alshair, um, there's a bunch of guys in this draft class at linebacker, including Cedric Gray uh, from... Uh, from North Carolina and Kalen Deloach from Florida state, who I really love. Um, but, you know, none of those guys are Greenlaw. So yeah, green law is a, is, is a major part of uh, their, their, their team. And I would na- absolutely try to bring them back. Even if you have to make some
0: tough decisions to do so. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, hit notify, and don't miss a thing. Damon Bruce, Larry Krueger, wake up is going three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, beginning next week. And we hope you plan on making us a part of your daily routine. The goal is going to be a show that is from like 8.30 to 9.15, a tight 45 minute to an hour long show that fits into your morning that fits into your lunch break that is perfect on the ride home when you're coming home from work wherever you need us you'll be able to find us available on podcast and of course right here on youtube as well when it comes to putting a team together Larry, there's more wiggle room than any one year over the last year in NFL history. The NFL salary cap explodes by $30 million this year. The cap for all teams will be $255.4 million. Adam Schefter says it's because all the COVID math has pretty much been settled. And the extraordinary media attention and revenue of the last couple of years has officially come to bear. And this is incredible. In 1994, the salary cap was $34.6 million. That's when the NFL was a mom-and-pop operation compared to what it is now. two hundred, A quarter-billion-dollar salary cap. That better mean Brandon Ayuk returns as far as I'm concerned. Like right there is get the Brandon Ayuk deal done in that one move alone. That's the way I see it.
1: Well, I mean, it definitely. I I see it the same way. I mean, um, and this, I guess. So they announced that the salary cap is jumping, as you said, two fifty five point four. It's up over thirty thirty million. Last year it was two twenty four point eight. Uh, Pelissaro tweeted out that the increase is a result of full repayment of all amounts of advance monies by the clubs and, and and deferred by the by the players during the pandemic as well as there's been an extraordinary increase in media revenue for the 2024 season so that gets the cap up everybody thought it was going to be around 245 to 250 instead it's 255 um yeah i mean this this makes it so that you can do a few more things if you're the 49ers and you're not quite hugged up against it. You don't have to make such crushing, you know, crucial decisions. And you can kind of look, you know, run it back this year largely with, you know, when I say run it back, I mean, you don't have to move off of Iuke. Um, I, I, and yet I still think that, that it will be interesting to see. I, I still don't think it's a slam dunk excuse me, that Ayuk is back. Why? Because it's pretty clear that Justin Jefferson wants to reset the receiver market. And it just seems like there's always teams that have a hard time paying receivers. We saw it with A.J. Brown. We saw it with Devontae Adams. We saw it with Tyreek Hill. Um, I think it's likely the Niners resign Brandon Ayuk, but I won't say it's for sure. They still have to find that
0: to finally have a consistent thousand-yard receiver and walk away when you're an eyelash away from winning a Lombardi. I mean, it's just you talk about like it's the wrong time to walk away from Robbie Gold to screw your kicker. This is Brandon Ayuk we're talking about. Like it's the wrong time to walk away from Brandon Ayuk, 27 years old, prime of his career, peak of his powers totally is something with brock purdy there is kismet there you don't break that up you just don't i hear you but you're also talking about a receiver who you would be paying
1: if you paid him what he's worth in the open market you're paying 50 million dollars to two wide receivers you're dead last in the nfl in pass attempts well but you shouldn't be more than right you should. Okay, but but you and also you know, just played three playoff games. Game. You just you just played three playoff games where Brandon Ayuk got three catches in each game. So you're either you got to start utilizing this guy a little bit
0: better than they have. Either way, I mean, I, I I agree with all of that. The fact that you can throw some serious man coverage on Ayuk and Debo and have so much success with it is another show. You know, that, that's something that Steve Spagnuolo found out, too. You, you press these guys hard. They're not who they hope to be in a lot of these games. Um, but I still think he is. Whatever Brandon Ayuk might be to the league, I don't know. What he is to the 49ers is their best wide receiver by a full-on country mile over, Brand, uh, over uh, Debo Samuel. So I just I wouldn't say goodbye to a guy like that for several reasons. Um, but,
1: but you I, have I to it's it 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 a else.
0: negotiation. I mean, you have to see. I
1: mean, I have no idea what he's asking for if 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 he wants uh, you know, I mean, you never know. I mean, there's talk that Justin it's Jefferson, Jefferson wants, wants to redefine money. the wide receiver right. market. You what you if he redefines it at 35 million dollars And what if I Uke says,
0: I want 35 million dollars a year? I'd be like, I mean, you ain't Justin Jefferson, kid, so calm down. You're not right. Tyree Kill. You're well, but, really, really good for who you are, but you ain't quite them. So let's right. get back to reality here and talk about how we can make this work for you with guaranteed dollars that make everybody walk away happy when it's all said and done.
1: Yeah. I think they're likely to get it done, but I don't know what he's, what he's asking for. I know that Parag's a tough negotiator. Um, I know that it's that he tries to save every penny at every turn and that he's not an easy guy to deal with uh, in these negotiations. He's formidable. So, um, you know, it makes me think based on the dialogue coming out of the IU camp, Damon, it makes me think that they've already exchanged numbers and are dramatically apart on, on, you know, what, what the two sides are looking for. Otherwise, I don't think I would have heard Ayuk's, you know, brother and sister coming out saying, you know, this is his. He just played his last game in San Francisco, and he wants to go to Vegas, and he wants this, and he wants that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I would say this: I, I would be prepared to go either way. If if, if he wants some ridiculous thirty-five million dollars a year, some crazy amount of money, right. and there's I don't think he's worth it, there's a walk, away, it, yeah, there's a walk away. There's yeah. a walk away. And there's so many receivers out there both in free agency and the draft that you could walk away I mean when I say walk away you could also you don't have to do anything right now you could roll this into next year now you got to have a conversation with him because the last thing you want to do is make an internal decision to deal with this next year have him not be on board not working out but I'm not in a rush to move off of Ayuk either because you could make an argument that Ayuk has the best relationship on field chemistry, if you will, with Purdy than any of the other receivers. So, you know, I think you absolutely want to get it done, but if they're if he gets crazy, um, I bet you, you could probably get a mid first round pick and then some for him. And that might be the route they go. If, if, if
0: things get crazy. I just know that it's hard being a wide receiver for Kyle Shanahan Brandon Ayuk has finally mastered this very hard task. And not only would Brandon Ayuk's absence hurt the passing game, I think it greatly affects the running game as well. So I really do hope that they can bring him back. And again, with the salary cap increasing to $255.4 million, $255 million, I hope that they can get it done. There's two things about that number that bother me, Larry. Number one, that the NFL has had internal layoffs like how are you growing the cap by 30 million dollars a team and laying people off internally that is corporate greed at its most savage disgusting level that bothers me to no end secondly if you're going to go to 255 million just go to 260 and grow the game day roster to 60 players a couple of million dollars larry is exactly how you take care of the back end of your roster that's all you need. You know, I mean, we're talking half million dollar a year players at the very back end of your roster. And to me, a little more continuity, larger rosters, more guys practicing for now a season that includes one more game than it probably even needs or should. We all know that the NFL is never going to give back that game. As a matter of fact, how many years will it be another media deal before they even ask for another one? To me, consistency and continuity would be so thoroughly addressed if they would just grow the roster to 60. Football would be better. Better football means more people watching. Rinse, wash, repeat. This is how you make more money in the long run, with a better product.
1: I'll go beyond that. Um, I'm a believer that the NFL brand is so strong right now that they are leaving – huge money on the table. Football needs to be year round and you can't be, you can't play football year round with one team of guys and you could get the structure and every, the marketing and everything that you have in place. I I think someday we're going to look back at, at, you know, 2024 and be like remember those cute old days where the where where the foot where uh you know the super bowl would happen and then there was that off-season thing and then there was no football and and we watched other sports oh yeah oh those days are gone i i really think that football's minor leagues would outdraw baseball's major leagues well football already
0: does right
1: but i mean Football's spring league would beat spring sports. Football if it was tied to the NFL. And what they ought to do is is grow the game by even more than that as far as the rosters. And then and then have an offseason minor league, spring league that's like, you know, whatever six, ten weeks long, whatever it is, and have a spring league. With, with with a total proving ground for the Trey Lances of the world, for the for the uh, for the coaches, for all the different people that they want to give reps to, you know the the young announcers, the young coaches, the young executives, the young players, the developmental league. You want a G League? You want an I want NFL a, G League? I, I want NFL Europe in America, and 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 what I want is. I want the Niners minor league team wearing the Niners colors to play the Raiders minor league team wearing the Raiders colors in the spring with players that those teams own. And that right there would outdraw San Francisco Giants baseball. It would outdraw NBA playoff basketball. It would outdraw the NCAA tournament.
0: Well, um, hold, on, hold on. The tournament's still a big deal. I don't know if you're outdrawing that, but you would outdraw it locally. I'm talking about you. locally. I'm okay. not. You know, nationally, you're right. And but
1: I'm saying, it, football's so big. There are people like I'm a I'm a I'm a football fan, but I'm a basketball fan, and I'm a baseball fan, and I watch other sports in the in the other in the uh, you know when the football's over, I watch baseball, and then I watch NBA. Um, but I'm becoming more of Uh, The exception, not the rule. Now there's lots and lots and lots of people who, I mean, give you an example. I put out a question to my audience this week. I said, hey, would you guys, I've got sponsor money. Would you like me to get on the road and go to spring training and cover Giants baseball? Or would you like me to hunker down in my studio here in Walnut Creek and cover the combine? And cover the cover uh, uh, the combine and and free agency in the NFL. I'm
0: off-season. guessing you it, cover the combine around eighty to ninety percent.
1: Yeah, yeah, because people would rather there. There's more passion for 49 er off season than there is for Warriors. Will they or won't they make the playoffs in season? There's more passion for 49 er off season than wow, the Giants. You know, uh, you know. The, the, giants, uh, you know, baseball is, is, you know, here and, and let's go check out, you know, the giants. And can they, can they add a player or two to their team today? They signed, who did they sign? Nick Ahmed, the Ooh. veteran shortstop. Dude, Ooh. If I do a video on Dre Greenlaw's knee versus the giants, just signed Nick Ahmed, Nick Ahmed's going to get like four, 480 views. Dre Greenlaw's knee is
0: going to get like ten thousand views, right? Yeah, so I'll, I've realized that too. I've taken a, a risk today with my eleven a.m. show. My thumbnail is warriors based which is probably going to nuke that audience before it even begins. You know what I mean? Cause it's just not a, Hey, this is football. Come and watch football. It's it's I'm going to be talking about Curry and the Warriors and the Nuggets last night. And I um,
1: had a great show the other night, Damon. I, you know how I get together with my, my basketball crowd. Yeah. I watched um, a little of it. You had, like, yeah, so you,
0: you had, you had a fraction of the audience that Cyrus was conference. in the house.
1: Yeah. Uh, Frank red, Carl foster, All the guys, we we had some great dialogue, went on for a couple hours. You know, it got um, 300 people in the room, 280 or something like that. If you know, you know, we have almost a thousand sitting right here, right now. So, I mean, it's just football is big and minor league football does not work. We don't want it. We don't want NFL Europe. We don't want the USFL. We don't want the arena league. We don't want arena league Two. We don't want the XFL. We don't want it. What we do want is the 49ers and the chargers and the Patriots and the Rams and the Raiders. And if you just put secondary football, but with the uniforms and the connections to actual NFL teams, the NFL audience Will watch it the way they watch the draft. The biggest growing of sporting event in the country is the NFL draft. The combine sets records for audience every single time. The NFL, the NFL pie just there's nothing. It's undeniably growing, and there's nothing that slows down that growth. If you took minor league football but attached it to the branding of NFL teams. We would watch it, totally, and we would watch it in big number. And um, M Patel says ninety three of the top one hundred shows on television are the NFL. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so ninety four. So dude, what are we doing? We're blowing the NFL's blowing it. They're blowing it right now, all because they think, well, you know what? It's it's it, it would take money, and then there would be some liability, and we'd have to grow this and this and that. Do there be an entire second league? You'd have an, you'd commandeer sports
0: year round. I I mean, I I think there's an awful lot of merit to what you're saying. Let me just devil's advocate you for a little bit. Sure. Because I think it was Cindy Crawford who famously said, yeah, I was the most popular model in the history of the world until I was on too many magazine covers. In other words, the only thing that stopped the Cindy Crawford train was her own overexposure. If you're asking me what is the too-big-to-fail aspect of the NFL, the first rule of show business is leave them wanting more. And I do think that NFL does well with an offseason that leaves people just rabid for it by the time August rolls around again. And I do think there is something to absence making the heart grow fonder and leave them wanting more. Um and we do, we cover elements of the off season with a microscope that no one could have ever predicted. But I also think on just a, Hey kid, how's your body standpoint? A lot of these guys need an off season. Um, and, and, you know, you do understand, understand that we're not talking varsity, about the same players, right? You're talking junior, about junior varsity NFL, all prospects well, like Jalen Graham did, did not play. Just, what did you just do to college football? Is college I mean, football still a thing? I think college
1: football out, out is absolutely still a thing. Um, there is no college football being played in the time that I'm talking about. I'm talking about a season that literally kicks off in the springtime and is going right now. So, like, you've got all these people. I mean, think about it. You've conditioned the, your audience to expect NFL football every weekend from like almost like their whenever they return from their summer vacation through February now, all I'm saying is you've got that audience commandeered. Keep them commandeered until until May, you know, and 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 run this thing simultaneous to the draft and the draft. You draft guys, none of the draft picks would be in this thing, but you're talking about your secondary. It it, it would, it would stamp out anybody who ever tried to step up on you. So anybody who was ever thinking about secondary football would never again go forward with it because you've got the spring covered and there's nothing left.
0: Right. No USFL, XFL, none of that. USFL, US, USF or whatever it's being called next. Right. And and then,
1: and then what you do it, the key is the uniforms and the branding. And what you do is you put, you put these teams all within like 150 to 200 miles of your team. So anywhere the Niners are within 200 miles of them, their, their minor league teams got to play. Maybe some of them play in the actual stadiums themselves, but within 200 miles. Why? Because you, you, you're building like a little regional, um, you know, popularity. Let them play at San Jose state. Let them play, let them play in Sacramento. Let them play. Um, heck you can make it a barnstorming thing let them play all over Northern California. Um, but if you actually had, you know, 15, 20 extra players per team. And maybe you had some of those guys participating who didn't play at all. Like, like all these guys that were on the practice squad practiced all year long, never played. Take your practice squad. Everybody's got a 16 man practice squad and just grow it. Just grow your 16 man practice squad. And you could even grow it in the off season. Doesn't you could make it, you could grow it to 30 and then fill out half your team with those guys and then half your team from guys you sign off the street that you, that you own somehow. And, um, people would watch it. People absolutely would watch it. I know I would watch it. If you said that, Hey, the Niners, you know, whatever, you know, uh, NFL two team is playing tonight and I can watch that, or I can watch warriors Celtics, Um, you know, I, will I'll, I may watch warrior Celtics, but I may not, I may watch that, especially since baseball is so tilt teetering right now. And you all, and there's no, you know, really, you're just talking about the NCAA tournament is the only thing that you would go against. But other than that, I mean, baseball's teetering, baseball's teetering, the NBA regular season. If you had real competition for those eyeballs would be
0: teetering. Well, look at what the NFL's big Christmas day, right? You know, Christmas yeah. day used to belong to the NBA. It fell on a Sunday this year. So here comes the NFL and the NFL blew it away. viscerated the NBA's normally robust ratings on Christmas day. So
1: look at the all-star weekend for the NBA. It had the lowest ratings ever. Oh, wait a second. Until last year. Last year was the lowest ratings ever. So nobody cares about that event. Nobody really cares that much about baseball as far as like, baseball spring training and the beginning
0: of baseball. I love it. Well, I love baseball too. I mean, I, I don't want to bag on baseball because I actually but, think but but it's teetering. It's thinks. teetering.